Life Audio. Hey, welcome to Gospel Rant. I'm Dr. Bill Sinyard. This is the eighth episode of my new series, Power to Change. Remember the classic SNL sketch about Blue Oyster Cult song, Don't Fear the Reaper, with Christopher Walken and Will Ferrell? The punchline was about cowbells. Listen. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbells. Babies, before we're done here, y'all be wearing gold-plated diapers. What does that mean? Never question Bruce Dickinson. Roll it. One, two, three, four. So, brother, sister, we need more cowbells. Is, is it just me, or have Christians just become more irrelevant and boring, and we just don't seem to make the difference we used to? I mean, Jesus drew crowds, just saying. We're going to look at the spiritual equivalent of more cowbells, joy, the fruit of the Spirit. So don't settle for less. I have faith in you that you can do it, so let's have some fun. It's critical in the world today. Let me know what you think after the show. Bill at gospel-app.com. Thanks for listening. And we're going to take a word from our sponsors. See you in a moment. So let me give some comments on, on fruit, biblical fruit as a whole. Uh, this is Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and so forth. Well, what can I say? What can we observe about fruit? A couple of things. First, Fruit is God-sourced. Boy, that's so important. I think we screw this up. It's certainly screwed up from a lot of pulpits and teaching. It's not something that you work harder to do to be like Jesus. What would Jesus do? This is God-sourced. We are dependent upon God giving us this through the Holy Spirit and our inner being. We ask for it. I don't know why that's so hard for us to do. Uh, It's innate to God and only secondarily reflected through us. We're a conduit for it, right? And of course we have, we can do fruit light. I'm not saying you can't have experience joy if you're not a Christian. There's human fruit, there's human love going on, right, without needing the Spirit. But why settle for that? Uh, Paul speaks of the need for God's power to experience fruit. And he speaks of love in Ephesians uh, three, but it's a metonymy, so it's the part for the whole. Remember the in, back in grammar school, all hands on deck doesn't mean that everybody just puts their hands on the deck. It's people, it's everybody, it's, it's, it's them. It's a metonymy. When Paul speaks of the love of Christ, he's talking about all the fruit. Listen, for this reason, Paul says, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, and, and that's got to be all the fruit, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, but it's also the joy of Christ, the peace of Christ. And to know this love and joy and peace that surpasses knowledge, Ephesians 3.14 and following. So, look, let's, let's admit it. Let's 
hold empty hands. We need God. We need his power to pull this off. It's not just a bumper sticker. I just need to depend upon a higher power. I actually do need to depend upon a higher power. Jesus' death and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us has given us access to that. And prayer number one is, okay, God, I can't do this. Give me power and make me access joy. Make me experience joy. Make me grasp the height and width and length and depth of the joy of Christ. Now good. Now would be good. Twice a day, ask that because I need more cowbells. Second, so fruit is God's source. It's also, it grows gradually, inevitably and seasonally, but it grows gradually. And Paul chose an interesting metaphor for this. I mean, he knew fruit. He knew, uh, he, he was careful when he chose the word. The agriculture metaphor is just really helpful. Fruit grows gradually. Uh, you know, it lies dormant most of the year, but then during the season, uh, a particular season, it grows very rapidly and it bears fruit. And that's the right time based upon God's timing and it's going to come. So addict, if you've been suffering from lack of fruit, we're going to assume that it's just been dormant, but it's time and it can come in a season and you could actually experience it. It can make a difference. And, and the farmer can chill that it's going to come. The Holy Spirit does fruit and he's, he's the ultimate farmer. And he does what is natural to his DNA. And since he's in you, Jesus follower, you're going to see some fruits. The question is when uh, and how much, right? So will the fruits of the, will the works of the flesh be more obvious than the fruit? Well, maybe during the season, but uh, you know, if you start asking for it, empty hands held up high, more cowbells. Third, fruit is perishable. It, it doesn't store well, you know, uh, not on its own. I guess we have science and technology that allows us to do it now, but still it goes bad. God brings it appropriately, the season for eating and growing, you know, otherwise it goes rotten, you throw it away, it goes wasted. And so if it starts getting colors and dimples where no colors and dimples belong, I'm not eating it, it's lost usefulness. God's fruit comes as needed and as prescribed. And if you're an addict and if you're suffering with relapses, if you can't forgive something, if you're, if you're feeling shame, man, you need cowbells. Fourth, fruit is concatenated. Jonathan Edwards, great theologian, says this, concatenation is a connected series of things regarded as causally or dependently related, meaning all of the fruit are interrelated. They're they're symmetrical. You can't have one without the other. So you don't just get one, you know, I'm going to have love today and not joy. You get them all. In the Greek, there is a grammatical anomaly, the fruit could be singular or plural, right? So in other words, it's, it's kind of both. It's fruit, but you could also use the same word, even in English. We don't have fruits. So it's, it's multiple expression. Think many-sided diamond, proportionate. That's how you know that they're authentic. Here, here's what I mean. So if a person loves God... Or so they say, but they don't care very much for their neighbor? I'm not a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Or being loving to one group and not another. So think racism. uh, Think that kind of thing. Or they may show kindness and love to others and not towards God. Well, that's not fruit of the Spirit. It just isn't. That's not the true affection, Jonathan Edwards calls it. A person could be righteous, meaning they do things for others over self, sacrificially, 
But if they don't do it with gentleness and humility, not the fruit of the Spirit. It's nice, but it's not the fruit of the Spirit. Or if you're demanding credit or reward, yeah, that's, that's other issues. You could be proud of your dependability, but critical of the faults of others, right? You could be a gossip. That's not fruit of the Spirit. You may feel peace in their circumstances or your wealth. I mean, you, you might be satisfied and secure, but not in your relationship with God and your future with God. Again, that's not balanced and proportionate fruit. That is a counterfeit. Or a better way of saying it positively is there's more. There's more cowbells out there. Here's another telltale. People with false fruit will be unruly affected by their environment. Uh, they'll be unstable. They'll be unable to uh, regulate their emotions. They don't, they don't have that peace. Uh, they'll be subject to the whims of their, their midbrain, right? Um, boy, but with powerful fruit, amazing things can happen. Addict, uh, changes in your life that's noticeable. Not perfect, that's heaven. But dramatic differences relying on the fruit. If you have patience and no joy, it's not fruit. It's likely just your temperament or choices or or maybe, you know, you're just a narcissist. If you're long-suffering but despise the person, no love, not fruit. More cowbells. All right, joy. I really want to look at joy. Charis in the Greek. In the Old Testament, it's simcha. It's a cry of a people redeemed. That's what it is. Cry of a people redeemed. This is not happiness. Joy is a heartfelt burst of emotions from a person who has been liberated from some enemy, some sin, some addiction, some burden, some critical inner voice, some reputation. Uh, So everyone, if you're a Christian, you had to feel this once, right, when you were saved. Though sometimes we don't remember, but this joy fruit keeps on giving. You can experience it now, right, this show. How? It's God's source. The Holy Spirit dwells in your inner being, whatever that is. He has bid you to ask for it. It's your inheritance from Jesus' death. Don't leave home without it. Uh, One Bible dictionary refers to joy as the experience of deliverance and the anticipation of salvation. It's the only normal human response to God's great redemptive work on our behalf. The Messiah is the messenger of such joy to the people, Luke 2, 10 to 11. I mean, haven't we all heard gospel presentations that felt more like sales pitches or used the same tone as if you were ordering a pizza and it was just joyless? Well, to abide in Christ is to be surrounded with joy, John 15, 11 writes, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete, full. Wow. Uh, By the way, what did Jesus tell them? They are in desperate, ongoing need of the Spirit's fruit. He says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And now remain in my love if you obey my commands, if you remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. And by the way, his joy. Now, uh, verses 8 and 9, you can read this a couple of different ways. The bearing much fruit. Here's how it's so often taught and it's been so destructive. It's kind of like, I'm just going uh, to bear fruit. I'm going to bear muscles. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to go to the, the fruit gym and work it out. I'm going to go to a love conference and a peace conference and a joy conference. But I'm going to suggest that it's better to read Abide in the Spirit, ask Him regularly, depend upon Him, and ask for His fruit. 
And, and stop trying to exercise yours. It's, it's just been pathetic, right? How, how, how has it gotten you? And depend upon him so much, that posture, that his fruit just takes over. And everyone else sees it. It's his fruit, not yours. All right. Well, this is a good time to take a break to get a word from our sponsors. We will be right back. And I'll tell you about this horrible vegetable we have in Louisiana called Merliton. We'll be right back. In Louisiana, we have this vegetable called the Merliton squash. <laughs> and it is absolutely tasteless. I, I think that it alone could solve the world hunger problem because it just grows like weeds if taste wasn't a problem. We had a couple of vines in our backyard when I was a kid. It kind of took over like kudzu, but it had this big squash, this green squash that was tasteless, and my mom would just keep cooking it. She tried stuffing them, frying them. She put it in casseroles, but no matter what you added to it, it just seemed to absorb the taste. It ended up tasteless. It's a, it's a great sermon illustration for Christians, unfortunately, particularly Christians who are trying to do this on their own. Addict, trying to defeat the addiction on your own, just working harder. You're Merliton. But anyway, back to my point. The thing had endless fruit. It was everywhere. It just kept, it was the gift that kept on giving, but it really wasn't a gift, right? Well, it's to your Father's glory that the Holy Spirit fruit growing in you is obvious to others. So, has taste with Merliton quantities, right? Loads of taste. And, and back to uh, SNL, do you have a fever for more cowbells? All right, joy, endless joy, disconnected from circumstances for the most part. Remember, I'm, I'm distinguishing it from happiness. Uh, I'm not talking about being a happy, slappy Christian and faking it. Fake it till you make it. It's this power. It's... Uh, Here's the image I want us to remember. In heaven, they still haven't gotten over the victory won 2,000 years ago. This revelation. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousands times ten thousands. They encircled the throne, and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him that sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. The elders fell down and worshiped. Revelation 5, 6 to 14 joy. They were all still cheering and dancing, cowbells. The angels were still stunned at what Jesus did, the joy of redemption. And you and I, you know, we got excited at first. Maybe we've settled into this long, tiring struggle. You know, and, and shame. I'm not sure I'm good enough. And 
Was it real? And if I see Jesus, will he be filled with joy? Will I feel joy? Will I feel shame? Right? And we hope that, that joy is going to erupt again when Jesus comes back. But now, mm, I don't know. We're in the middle of a prisoner camp, right? No worries. The spirit in you, his secret working, says Calvin, is to remind you to make you feel love, to make you feel God's joy. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This simcha is so other earthly, so otherworldly, that it is available to us in good times, but also bad in pain and comfort. Right? Have you ever, when things go really, really, really bad, I mean, there's anger, there's rage, there's shame, there's guilt, all those things, uh, 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 vengeance, injustice, but there's also sometimes this ah factor hits, and you go, what's this? It just doesn't make any sense. Happiness is more circumstance-related. Joy is more of a function of this, this God rush and, and the redemption that was already yours, even though things are bad now even though you're in the middle of addiction and relapses and the consequences of your addiction, you can experience joy and it makes a difference. When was the last time you you felt that, disconnected from your circumstances? When was the last time you asked for it? Empty hand, right? Uh, You know, I've been set free from the present evil age. I've won. I was enslaved. I was conquered. But then I became a victor. More cowbells. By the way, check this out. You, you want to know the ongoing benefits of being a victor? And if this doesn't get your pulse racing, your cowbells banging, all of this is because you are a victor because of Christ's work on the cross 2,000 years ago. We've, we've messed this up, too, from the pulpit. Jesus follower, you are already an overcomer. You can't be any more of an o- overcomer or less of an o- overcomer in spite of how you've heard this taught, Right? Wait, wait, but Pastor Bill, you don't know my struggles. I'm not an overcomer. I'm unfaithful. I've been untrue to my spouse and friends. I've lied. I've self-medicated. I've hurt people. I've, I've uh, gotten involved with addictions, pornography, cutting, uh, gambling, all of those things. I, I'm just not a good Christian. You, you, I can't get it all together. I struggle. Right? And, and so you just don't know. I mean, call me an overcomer? Really? Well, yes, no matter who you are, what you've done, what's been done to you, how much peace you feel, how much joy you feel, you could be the worst addict around. You could have failed everyone in your circles, maybe depressed, and yet here's the promise of Jesus to you, to the overcomers. That's you, right? Here's Revelation 2 7. I give the right to eat from the tree of life that is in the paradise of of God. He's given that to you already. You will not be hurt by the second death. That's 3.11. I will give you some of the hidden manna, the new name, Revelation 2.17. I'll give you authority of of the nation, 2.26. You're dressed in white, and your name is forever in the book of life. That's 3.5. You're a pillar in the temple of God, 3.12. You sit with me, Jesus says, on the throne, 3.21. You're not going to earn that. It was earned already. These are things that Jesus fought for you and won for you. The victory's in the books. So there's two legitimate ways to render the Greek overcoming ones. Here we go. Listen to this. Pass this on. This term is a present participle. So you can read it, the one who overcomes 
referring to the need for you and me to press on and hopefully we can earn it all and be enough and we can overcome all of these things in our addiction. Or two, it refers to Jesus' followers as already overcoming ones because Jesus overcame in our place. We are in him. He is the overcoming one, and so are we then. So the benefits are ours already. This is, uh, these are a reading of Jesus' will for us. Why? Because we need to be reminded of our inheritance. Uh, joy. We need to be encouraged that we can't lose it. It's always accessible. And by the way, those are two wildly different theological interpretations. One leads to shame, shame and guilt and failure and worried and anxiety, and I just never know it. And I, when, you know, when Jesus appears, I'm going to turn my eyes. The other one is, finally, my victor, and, and you, you're in him, right? Uh, it's a beautiful thing, again, accessed by faith. Spirit source joy is a power. It's a huge natural predator. Uh, to the works of the flesh, envy and anxiousness and divisiveness. I mean, if I had to summarize in one word, why? Joy is a statement of who I am in Christ. My identity, I am redeemed, I win. So day-to-day issues, mistakes and successes don't affect who I am anymore as much. A little by little, my priority is no longer my identity. Idols and counterfeits have less interest to me. I just don't need them as much. I don't need my addiction if I'm an addict any, as much. How do you get this Joy. This joy is a miracle. It's accessible from God. It's not part of your muscle group. You can't just say the word joy a hundred times as a mantra. It's not a head thing. It's not a fake it till you make it thing. It's a spirit thing. The spirit who indwells in your inner being. It's already full of yours. Piles of the stuff are already stored up for you in heaven. Piles upon piles. Waiting for the asking. And by faith, hold up empty hands and plead to God from heaven to give you the joy of your salvation that he purchased right now. Do it over and over and over again. Imagine the power of this for someone who is addicted or who has been subjected to injustices or is hurt or has hurt other people and is feeling shame and guilt. Right? You know the end of the story. Joy doesn't fix your circumstances. That's justice, and and that's choices you have to make. That's reconciliation. But it's a powerful reminder of who you are. You're the redeemed of God, and that's powerful hope. And when such celestial joy is ripping through you, your center, your core is living out of the end game. Well, simple, and here's a simple tool. You've heard it before. Again, We're just not tossing it out there. This is stuff that has actually helped addicts, has helped struggling Christians, underachievers, to begin to hear the cowbells a little bit. Say it aloud, word for word, twice a day, 45 days, more than twice a day if you're struggling with relapse or addiction or in an injustice particular, uh, a memory that you can't seem to forgive. No shame. I believe that you can do this. Actually, I believe in the Holy Spirit in you can do this. So sit back and listen or say it aloud with me. Jesus followers, strictly because of what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago, God actually loves you. He loves you with all of his heart. As much as the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father, he can't love you any more or any less than he does right now. This is true whether you're an underperformer, you, you've messed up, you're an addict, you're, uh, uh, you're not the Christian you should be. He loves you as you are, not as you should be or could be. Isn't that something? You can't add to this love. By working harder, right? You can't take away from it by messing up. Now, I get it. It often feels like you've messed it up. Well, you have. Or need to do something so that God would like you better. That's not true, right? Not so. 
How do you experience it more now? Simple good news. There is something you can do and are invited to do, and it won't trigger all that stuff in your midbrain. You can take daily baby steps to ask the spirit inside of you to make you know, experience and feel just how much God loves you right now or experience God's joy. Just ask. Ask again later today. Ask tomorrow. Make it a spiritual habit. So are you noticing changes? Could be little ones. Are you feeling a little less stressed, a little more loved by God, a little more worshipful? You want to get more into the presence of God. You're feeling more thankful, more hopeful. Uh, You're seeking to self-medicate if you're an addict a little less often. Are the drugs or alcohol, porn, sex giving you less hits? Are you smiling more, feeling more joy? Remember, say the simple uncluttered gospel twice a day for 45 days. And let me know what you think. What's happening? Give me a testimony. Bill at gospel-app.com. It's the gospel. Something's changing. And it's going to take some time. I get that. Drip, drip, drip of good news for your midbrain to grab hold of this love, of this joy. And, and that this joy is now yours strictly because of Jesus, not on, based on anything you've done or muscles that you have twice a day, 45 days. Keep me informed. Bill at gospel-app.com. I'm going to put the best testimonies on my webpage. You can get the simple uncluttered gospel in bookmark form from gospelrant.com or gospel-app.com. Get a bunch of them. Pass them out. Put them all over your home. Give them to your Bible study, your your visitors to your church, uh, your family, your 12-step group if you're an addict. They will thank you. I am writing a book on the overlooked and underappreciated women of the Old Testament. It is so much fun. Did you know that there was a black woman who stood up to God and, and won? Yeah. Want to know when this thing is published? Get on the list. Bill at gospel-app.com. Make sure you follow this podcast, please. It's just a favor. It helps us get the word out. If, if enough people followed this, we'd have... Uh, more more people from the outside checking it out so the message would get out more, right? Uh, by the way, if you're an addict, stay in your 12-step group and stay in counseling. Just do this in parallel. Keep listening. Take heart, child of God. This, this is my skyship dreamer. My cargo is stories. And our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.